Good morning. My name is Raul, and I come from the Spanish church. But this is my church also. As we get or we go through the journey of, of Lent, we're getting closer and closer to the truth. And sometimes when we get closer to any truth, we react in different ways. I don't know if this microphone. And one truth is that all of us need to encounter Jesus at one point in our lives. But it doesn't matter where you see Jesus. You might see him as a baby. You might see him at the cross. Or you might see the resurrected Jesus. And... However, we need to react to the truth of Jesus. And this is what's going to happen with the group of disciples. They have been with Jesus for about two years or so, maybe more. And he started to tell them that he's going to die, that he's going to the cross. And at least one of them did not react the proper way. Let's put it that way. Peter. So we're going to talk about Peter this morning and to see his reaction and how things are going. Mark chapter 8, verses 31, and chapter 9, verse 1. That's the reading of the scripture this morning. And he says, He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this. In other words, he didn't hide anything. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But then Jesus turned and looked at his disciples. So notice over here that Peter take Jesus apart to talk with him alone. Only the two of them. However, Jesus turned around 
and face all the disciples. He rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan. He said, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then he called the crowd to him along with the disciples and said, notice here that he's not just now talking to the disciples, the 12, he's talking to the crowd, to everybody. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, I would like you to notice that Jesus has no problem calling things the way they are. The Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. And he said to them, truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see that the kingdom of God has come with power. Thank you, Lord. Help us this morning. I need you right now. <laughs> I want to obey you, fully obey you in my life. And I pray that you help us to understand what Jesus is telling us at this moment. Not only what he said 2,000 years ago, but what he's telling us to each one of us right at this moment. Help us to do that by your grace and by your power. In the name of Jesus, amen. Abundant obedience, the cost of following Jesus. That's the theme that we've been doing through the Lent season, and we're going to continue with that. So this text, this passage on Mark 8, 31, 9, 1, might well qualify for what they call a difficult Bible passage or a biblical difficulty. At minimum, it's, it's very uncomfortable for all of us. 
and not really easy to understand. And one reason, there are several reasons, but one of them is that Jesus called Peter Satan. This is something serious. This is something very serious. <laughs> Think about this. If someone within your family, close family circle, call you dishonest, you are dishonest. Or you are a hypocrite. Somebody that is close to you in the family, that will be for sure a family crisis. Just the process of conversations and clarifications. What do you mean? Well, all of that, just that process and the process of healings and forgiveness uh, within the family will take days and days and sometimes weeks and weeks. And even after forgiveness and healing, and somebody could remind you the incident many years later. Remember when you said that? This is just the way these things are. This is the nature of these things. And we all know that because we all have family. We all work in a place. We work even work in the church and all of that. We know that this is the nature of the things. And precisely, Peter, poor Peter, 2,000 years after this incident, we are still talking about him this morning, this very morning. It is on record. What Jesus said and what Peter said is right there on records. The Gospel of Matthew and Luke, they also mention in some way this same incident between Jesus and Peter. Again, this is serious. This is very important. However, before we continue, we would like to make a very fundamental clarification. Uh, and it's obvious in the text, very clear there. However, we need to highlight that. And it's this one. The person who calls Jesus, who called Peter Satan, is Jesus himself. No one else. Notice that. None of these disciples, not, no one from the crowd, is Jesus himself who called Peter Satan. He has the authority to do that. Jesus has the authority and the knowledge of the heart to call anyone or anything the way it is. This is not what happening today. This is not what's going on today. We have all kinds of peoples, political leaders, religious leaders, calling everybody all kinds of things today. You go to heaven, you don't go to heaven. 
You are a Christian, you are not a Christian. You are holy, I am holy. You're not holy. You don't read the Bible, you don't understand anything. I mean, it's all over the place. Think about the last elections. Oh, Lord, have mercy upon us. We're not Jesus, okay? We are not Jesus. But Jesus, he has the authority to call anything the way he wanted or the way it is. We don't determine who goes to heaven or who doesn't go to heaven. There's only one judge. God is the judge. And if Jesus had the authority to say that to Peter, who loved him, who would fight for him, who would almost kill someone for him, who spent time with him eating at the same place and sleeping at the same place for two or three years, if he, Jesus, told that to Peter, maybe you and I are in the same boat. Because with all due respect to all of you, and even those who are listening online, with all due respect, I believe, and I know in my own experience that we are not better than Peter. We are not better than Peter. And that's why this is so uncomfortable for us. I would like to think that God think of me, that Jesus think of me as a very good boy. <laughs> that's what I would like to think. Hmm. However, the question is, because we got to keep on going, <laughs> Yes, why does Jesus say this? Why he does say this? <laughs> it's not easy. The answer is not easy. But we're going to try. Satan is an adversary. Did I say that right? adversary. One thing is that I speak with a Spanish accent. If you don't understand something or whatever, it's not your fault. It's my fault, okay? So Satan is an adversary. But he's not just a cartoon, some, some type of a, of a guy you know, all red, really ugly, and, and with a, a pitchfork to, you know, to push you around and that kind of thing. It, it just doesn't work like that. Sometimes Satan is all well-dressed up. You can hardly really identify him or, or what he's doing or, or, or the thoughts that he is creating 
and try to generate it in our mind. It's very difficult sometimes. Satan is a real thing, a real person. It's something completely negative that works in this universe, in this world, right here on earth, indeed. But the, the word means adversary. Some versions actually translate the word here as that instead of Satan. He is an enemy. He is also the tempter. So Jesus is explaining to the disciple that he is going to die, a leader a messiah is not supposed to die it's supposed to be a strong it's supposed to to get stronger by the moment by the days and it's supposed to conquer that's the idea in their mind that's what a messiah is supposed to do that's what what a leader is supposed to do it's not supposed to die and now he's not using parables. Now he's not just putting an example. He's just telling them the pure truth. I am going to die. And Peter, Peter is an adversary, meaning that he doesn't like this. He supposes this idea of Jesus dying. It's been good. It's been really good. You know, Jesus take a couple of fishes and he multiplied and thousands of people are eating. <laughs> he's healing people. He's touching life. He's preaching and teaching new concepts, new idea. People are ready. So this idea of dying doesn't set well with Peter and with the disciples. He's tempting Jesus not to follow the path of the cross. He's tempting Jesus not to follow the path of the cross, to go on a different way. We all would like to go the easy way. Especially when things are doing well, when we are doing well, when everything is going well. And just like, like the devil in the desert who tempted Jesus for 40 days and 40 nights, Peter is actually tempting Jesus because Jesus himself is a struggling I want you to know that he was just a human being that suffered pain and he himself is asking for help to the father to go through this there's no question about that 
And in Gethsemane, in the Mount of Olives, Jesus struggled with this thing. And he needed help. And angels came to help and comfort him. Jesus is God, but Jesus is a human being also. And we struggle ourselves going the way of the cross, going the way that God has planned. The Lord God, the Father, has planned this for eternity. There's no other way. Jesus has to go to, through the cross. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses all from all sin. The blood of Jesus Christ. This is something that has been planned for eternity. There's no other way to do it. I don't know how many times on my counseling time with people, I would like them to understand that certain things only can go one way. Certain things only can go one way. Apparently, Peter was a very smart guy with argument, and the, the whole context of the, of the passage and the whole message of the gospel is that Peter really thought about this and tried to explain Jesus that there is better way to do things. <laughs> At that point, there was nothing else to say. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. The idea, the whole thought, the whole process, it doesn't come from you, actually. It's, it's, it's a negative thing, the whole process. It has to come from the enemy, the adversary. Number two. So Jesus rebuked the argument of Peter and telling him, get behind me, Satan. Not only telling him and them that he is going to die, but also by talking about how anyone, anyone who's going to be a disciple, a follower of him, a follower of Jesus, needs also to take up the cross and follow him. You know, we all enjoy Jesus resurrected, and we should, we should celebrate that. Pretty soon we will be celebrating that. It's a good thing. I mean, I think about, about Jesus and his resurrection almost every day. I know that he is alive, one of the sons said. I know that he lived in me and know that he's working in the work through the Holy Spirit. I enjoy 
that. However, I cannot enjoy the resurrected Jesus without the Jesus going to the cross and the Jesus on the cross. So he's telling them now that they also have to take up their cross. Now, I like this idea of the crosses. They're so beautiful. There's any cross. Oh, that's a beautiful cross right there. And, and we Christians, and I'm telling you a secret, maybe people who are not Christian, maybe, Millions and millions and millions of dollars. We have crosses in our chest, hanging out from our chest. They're so beautiful. It's in art. It's in music. It's everywhere. Every single church, Christian church, it doesn't matter the denomination, Orthodox, Catholic, Protestant, it doesn't matter. There's crosses inside and crosses outside. And I have visited some home where the first thing that I see is a cross. And if you go to their bedroom, there's crosses there too. This is amazing. But I also have seen people with, with eating with crosses. With, and also with rings in the form of crosses. I mean, it's so natural for us, this thing of the cross. We have seen it so many times, and the story about the cross is being repeated again and again and again every Sunday, that it is so natural to us. I made the mistake to ask my grandson, what did you, what did you guys talk about Sunday school today? And he, he looked at me and said, Grandpa, what's wrong with you? <laughs> he knows that I am a preacher. He said, Grandpa, what's going on? What's wrong with you? We talk about Jesus on the cross. What else were we going to talk about in Sunday school? He said, okay, man, no problem. I'm sorry that I asked the question. I won't ask it again, okay? <laughs> wow. But to them... To the disciple, to the Jewish people, to the Greek people, to the ph Greek philosopher of that time, to the priest, to the doctors and the law, and even the common people, the cross was something terrible. It was something really bad. It was actually for the Jewish people, a curse. We say it in Spanish, una maldición. It was a curse for them. It was not a natural thing for them. We need to realize that. But the cross is not just a decoration thing. Next time that we put it in, in our chest, this time, next time that we see it outside, inside. Remember that. It's not just a decoration thing. 
This passage is very uncomfortable. And that is the second reason why it is so uncomfortable. I need to take my own cross and follow Jesus. And I need to turn the page or we're never going to go on with this. One last minor clarification. We all get sick. We all go through difficulties. And so is the people in Africa and Latin America. Uh, they get sick too, they go through difficulties. So are the people who live in, in Alaska, everywhere. We got all kinds of circumstances in this life that we go through, like the pandemic and all of that. And, and we have sometimes difficulties in our family, in our marriages, and, and at work, and all of that stuff. We deal with people. It's so hard sometimes. And then we say, wow, this cross is so heavy. I am carrying such a heavy cross. And I don't have good news for you in that respect. Being sick, going through bad circumstances, going through problems, going through difficulties is not carrying the cross of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Everybody do that. There's millions of children dying of hunger today, right at this moment. And there's places today, right at this moment, where there's no freedom of speech whatsoever. And there's countries who hasn't got yet a single COVID-19 vaccine yet. And they don't know when they're going to get it. Unfortunately, none of that is carrying the cross of Jesus Christ. When Jesus picked up his cross, he suffered extreme pain, extreme suffering. And it was something real. It was not a movie thing. It was something real. It's, it was not a holographic projection or anything like that. It was something real. Our cross, the one that we need to pick up, is real too. It's self-denial, meaning I give up. I give up my self-determination. I just give that up. I turn my whole life to God, no matter what. My grandmother was a Christian, but a, a Christian in a place where there was no more, 
only our family was Christian. Around in a town of about 10 or 20,000 people and in a province where, where there was no Bibles, no churches, no nothing. But my mother said, I'm going to follow Jesus. And one day, there was at least 80 or 100 men and women with the stones in their hand and with baskets full of stones. And they start throwing a stone to my mother's house, my grandmother's house. Finally, the military came. The police didn't do a thing. The local police didn't do a thing. And somebody managed to call the military, the army people, so they can rescue my grandmother and my mother and the family. And they had to be taken out of town to be saved. And her house was completely destroyed, completely. She could never return to that house. But not only that, three days later, she had an aneurysm and went into a coma, and she died. She gave her life for Jesus. No question about that. And just the memory of her giving her life to Jesus helped me to understand that I have to give up my own self my own understanding of things and put it at the cross of Jesus. I had to pick up my cross. Jesus was aligning himself with the kingdom of God and the way and the will of God. That's what it is. You align yourself with the kingdom of God and the will of God, not your own will, the will of God. And this is always different than the will of the world, the will of our people and our own will. We need to humble ourselves to the point of public shame for what is good, what is just, what is holy, what is loving. We should willingly lay down our privilege, our blessing, our jobs, our everything to follow after Jesus. I always say that I just can talk about myself. I cannot talk about anyone else. But my neighbor, she broke her hip. And she retired and all of that. I don't know how old she is because I'm never going to ask her how old she is. But during the pandemic, I saw that the, 
the pile of uh, or garbage bag was accumulating in her back door. And the pandemic was really so bad. And I usually take the mail to her and put it to her. And she, she ordered everything. I mean, she ordered from Amazon everything, food and everything. So this is something that I do every day. I just take her mail and her boxes from Amazon and I put it right there by her door. But the pile, the pile of garbage, it was hard. It was hard. I admit it, it was hard. Said, how many COVID-19 things are there? <laughs> how many bacteria, whatever? I'm not talking about one or two. But anyhow, I said, I have to do it. I have to do it. And I put my gloves on, I put my hat on, put my mask on, and I clean up the whole thing. I clean up the whole thing. Hey, you have to deny yourself. You have to do what is uncomfortable. What is uncomfortable to other people too. Even if they don't like it. You have to do it. This is the kingdom of God. I'm going to finish pretty soon, okay? <laughs> there was not a metaphoric, metaphorical <laughs> for the disciple. This was real. Peter himself to give him credit, okay? Peter himself died on the cross upside down himself. And many of the disciples died and they were sacrificed. Paul, they put him in a, something like that. They took an axe and cut his head. That's what they did with Paul. Why did Peter rebuke Jesus? Number three. You see, we go number three now. There's a good chance that Peter was tempting Jesus to take the easier way. He doesn't want to give up what he was, was what he had there at that moment. But we don't ignore everything in life, including the plan of God, and then do our things. We don't do that. God's way, it's always better than the easier way. God's way is always a better way, somebody has said. Most of us will do whatever it takes to avoid death, to avoid pain and all of that. And in some way, if you don't have to go through pain, don't go through pain. That will be sickness, okay? Well, I'm going to put himself, myself here so they can hit me. No, 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 that's sickness. That's not good. That's not what we're talking about. Maybe Peter is 
willing to tell Jesus something different, a different idea, different something. But the cross is difficult. No matter what, the cross is very difficult. It's cruel. In the year four before Christ, the Roman crucified 2,000 people outside of Jerusalem. And in the year 70, after Christ, they crucified so many people, so many people that there was not enough crosses. There was not enough wood to build more crosses. Cross, the cross is something difficult. And many people like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, all of you know, are familiar with the cost of discipleship, gave their life many martyrs. Today, there's many people who are suffering, who are going through pain and suffering because of Jesus. But we have to do it if we have to do it. Whatever that is, there is an old hymn called The Way of the Cross Leads Home by Jesse B. Pounds. It is a line that says, I must need to go home by the way of the cross. There's no other way but this. I shall never get sight of the gears of light. If the way of the cross I miss, the way of the cross leads home. The way of the cross leads home. It is the sweet. It is sweet to know, as I onward go, the way of the cross leads home. This is the journey of Lent for Jesus. And for each one of us, the way to resurrection is going through the cross. There's no other way. Resurrection cannot be experienced without death. That's what actually the word means. You come back to life. You were dead and you come back to life. And in Christ, we are alive. We are alive in Christ. So we travel in the way of Jesus on the blood sprinkled road that he walked out of love, grace, and obedience. That's important. obedience we don't know sometimes what we're gonna get we don't know who we're going to encounter we don't know the opposition we don't know if we're gonna be here next Sunday we don't know we don't know if it's another pandemic is gonna come we don't know if it's the time is going to come when we cannot freely walk and preach 
and read the Bible and gather together and all of that. We don't know anything, but we need to obey. We do it by obedience. I wish I could keep on talking, but I can't because this thing is in my bones, you know? Dear God, thank you for Jesus and thank you for the cross. Thank you, Lord God, for this. Your church, your people, bless each one of them. May the Holy Spirit touch their life. May we, may we be obedient, even if that means being very, very uncomfortable. Even if that means to suffer. But we just want to to meet you at the cross. Oh Lord, you are so good and so merciful. Help us, help your church, help your people. Oh Lord God, help our family. Amen. <laughs>